Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Reshot save Talbot. Rebound Tumble Bluepin. Reshot Martinez save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds. Reshot Martinez save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers. 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry Sun awaits. There's the center pass. What timer score? Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30 champ. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We have a lot to talk about this evening, and we will start with the big story of the day. And it is a tough one in oil country, tough for a lot of Oilers fans, especially those of you who lived through the glory years in the 1980s. A key member of that team has passed away, Dave Semenko leaving us at the age of 59 after a uh, brief battle with cancer. Kevin Lowe, teammate of Semenko, had this to say about number 27's effect on his team. You know, the greatest of all time are up in the building in Rogers, but uh, as Koff alluded to, those greats couldn't have done without the uh, support and... um, and and aid of Dave Semenko, and I say that with the you know greatest deal of sincerity, because what he provided on the ice, uh, the message he delivered to the opposition, and was a good hockey player, was capable. As he pointed out many times, he scored a bunch of points in junior and did have a hat trick in the NHL. It was actually Player of the Week one week, uh, but uh, it was really his presence in the dressing room and his he he really kept us all grounded. He had an incredible wit, and uh, he reminded us often of who we are. And uh, not to sort of get, our, uh, not allow for our heads to get any bigger than they were. All right, that's Kevin Lowe earlier today. There was a news conference at Rogers Place with Kevin Lowe, Charlie Huddy, and Paul Coffey. We'll have more with Charlie Huddy as we move along on Inside Sports tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6.08. There is some other Oilers news today. Benoit Pouliot placed on waivers for the purpose of buying out his contract. We'll get a little deeper into those implications as we go along tonight. And, of course, we'll tee up tomorrow's Eskimos home opener, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. 6 o'clock for the countdown to kick off here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 8. The 1-0 Eskimos hosting the 1-0 Montreal Alouettes. Both teams winning tense games in Week 1. But we do want to focus on Dave Semenko. And by the way, your memories, comments, uh, just feelings about the Oilers, great. Welcome as well by texting 6.30, And uh, the phone number is 780-496-0063. But I'm pleased to welcome a familiar and popular voice to the show, Hall of Fame 
former play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oilers, Rod Phillips. Rod, thanks for taking the time to join us. So I'll just start, you know, when when you hear the name Dave Semenko, what does that bring to mind? Uh, Dave was a lot of things. Uh, he, was a, he was a darn good uh, hockey player, uh, one of the toughest guys uh, that probably ever played the league. Uh, the league is different now than when Dave played, but uh, he uh, he was one of the best enforcers uh, in the history of the National Hockey League, and uh, he did that job, as I said, very well. But uh, he was also just a great guy, uh, one of the funniest guys I ever uh, ever met in in hockey. Uh, had a great dry wit, and uh, he was just a Really, really good guy. You know, it's interesting because when we see these players on TV or, or hear you call their games on, on the radio like we did in Dave's career in the 80s, we hear him uh, often body-checking somebody or beating somebody up. But, but I mean, you kind of touched on it there. There was uh, uh, That wasn't him off the ice at all, right? Could you just maybe expand on that, on his interaction with fans or just how he treated broadcasters and teammates? Oh well, he you know he was uh, you know he was a he was a good guy. He was always approachable. Uh, he didn't turn down interviews, and and uh, he signed lots of autographs. Uh, he was he was one of the most popular players on the team. Uh, he you know I, he got big ovations. Uh, you know you know when he came onto the ice many many times. He was a very popular guy, and uh, you know he was a big part of the hockey team uh his teammates loved him and uh they he protected them but he also uh, he kept them in stitches uh with uh, uh some of the some of the jokes and 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 tricks and and things that he did well it sounds like that was a pretty valuable part of what he contributed to the team as well as his toughness he, he was in the WHA for a couple of years then the Oilers yeah. went into the NHL and, and he continued to be a strong part of the team I mean you're calling the games and there's there's always a point when a guy joins the team and maybe you're not really sure if he's going to contribute or fit in do you have a moment or maybe a, you know a, a series of moments or, or where you thought okay this guy's legit like he's tough he can play he's 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 going to help do you remember him developing into that or stuff you saw in him early well he he was tough when he got there uh, in the WHA uh and and uh um, he, Bob Freeman, uh, who at one time worked for the orders, uh, unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. But Bob was the guy that scouted him when uh, Dave was playing in uh, um, Brandon. And uh, at the time, the orders were looking for uh, someone, uh, you know, they, they needed an enforcer-type player. So Bob came back and told Len Sather about this uh, this kid in uh, in Brandon, and so uh, Slot says, "Well, let's sign him." Uh, they were in the WHA, so they they could they didn't have to wait for they could sign whoever they wanted. Uh, uh, so they signed they signed Dave and uh, and brought him up and and uh, uh, he had an immediate uh, impact on the team. Um, I, I don't I don't remember any uh, you know specific uh, specific fights he had he had lots of them, but uh, there weren't there weren't uh, too many uh, you know he uh, I, I'm not sure that he ever lost a fight. 
maybe he did. Uh, my memory is starting to fade a little bit, but uh, he won 99% of them anyhow. Yeah, for sure. Rod Phillips joining us on Inside Sports tonight. And it, it's interesting too, Rod, uh, the role he filled you know, it's it's not a it's not uh, a glamorous role necessarily. I, I don't think little kids grow up of being in the NHL and, and fighting. They yeah. probably dream up of, of of scoring goals. But uh, I mean, it, it's amazing all the former teammates today and opponents saying how important Dave was to the Oilers team, their attitude and that and their success, and kind of making them a little multi-dimensional, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, as I said, he 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 was uh, uh, he was feared by everybody uh, in the in the National Hockey League. But uh, I can remember he, he scored a hat trick one night in uh, in uh, New York, and uh, he, I think he also had a hat trick uh, against the Canucks uh, when Roger Nielsen was uh, coaching Vancouver. And uh, so, uh, I mean, Dave could play the game. Uh, there was no question about that. Uh, very often, when uh, if, if uh, whoever was playing uh, left wing with uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry, if they were struggling, uh, he'd send Sammy out for a couple of shifts and try and get the, you know get things changed around, and that always seemed to to, to help. So uh, yeah, he was uh, he was uh, more than a fighter. He he could play the game, and uh, and he worked. He worked hard at his craft. I mean, he, uh, he, uh, he, he, you know, he tried to improve uh, throughout all the years that he played. Well, he's going to be missed. Uh, Rod, thanks so, so much for giving us your perspective and sharing some memories. All the best. Okay, thank you very much. That is Rod Phillips checking in tonight. Hall of Fame play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oilers. And uh, good to have uh, Rod on the show. With, wish it could have been under happier circumstances, but some great memories there about Dave Semenko's effect on the team and a really good story about how he came to be an Edmonton Oiler. Did play a couple of years in the WHA. You probably know, scored the last goal in the history of the WHA in the Avco Cup Final in 1979. Text coming into 63630. I'm going to read this one from Mike, who says, Back in his day in the NHL, I was an Islanders fan, but I believe Dave Semenko was instrumental in Edmonton dethroning the New York Islanders. And, you know, as we move along tonight, we will also talk to a rival of the Edmonton Oilers, a rival of Dave Semenko. Jim Plaplinski is going to check in later on tonight. But when we get back, we'll talk to Charlie Huddy, former teammate, former Edmonton Oilers defenseman. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Ask me to be your savior. We'll keep remembering Dave Sominko as we move along tonight, passing away at the age of 59. I do have a trade to tell you about here. Carolina trades goaltender Eddie Lack, defenseman Ryan Murphy, and a seventh-round pick in 2019 to Calgary. They've been busy for Keegan Kanzig and a sixth-round pick in 2019. Carolina retains 50% of the salary on Lack. Uh, Certainly initially, that seems like a a pretty significant win for Calgary. I mean, Eddie Lack going to be a backup goaltender. Ryan Murphy... 
you know, former first-round draft pick, 12th overall in 2011, uh, has kind of been uh, up and down NHL, AHL the last few years. I don't think he's blossomed quite the way people thought he would when he was taken 12th overall. But uh, so Calgary involved uh, again in a deal. They get Eddie Lack and Ryan Murphy, and they give up uh, Keegan Kanzig. Late round draft picks also swapped in that deal. Thanks again for tuning in. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad 619. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630. This texter says, I remember watching Dave Semenko play while I was wearing my Knight Rider pajamas in the glory years. He was my all-time favorite player. May have been 27 on the ice, but definitely number one in my heart. Well, first of all, as an aside, beautiful reference to the Knight Rider pajamas by that texture. But, but I mean, it is... It is an interesting uh, relationship fans have with the enforcer, with the tough guy, with the fighter, whatever you want to call him. Adam Scourge is going to join us after the 6.30 news. He's the uh, producer, Edmonton guy, producer of that great film Ice Guardians uh, that came out last year about enforcers, and Dave Semenko was heavily interviewed and featured in that. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think as, as, as fans that... You know, and, and I think sometimes as media people too, but but fans can connect with the enforcer because he's doing the dirty work. He's he's putting his uh, you know he's putting his well being on the line. Right? There's always the risk of something happening in a fight that could result in injury. And I think there. I mean, let, let's face it. When when a when a tough guy scores a goal. I know it's only one on the scoreboard, but it almost feels like a goal and a half, right? You get that extra little boost when a guy who rarely scores and, and makes a name for himself by using his hands for punching more than for scoring. When he gets a goal, there's always that extra little lift, I, I think, if, if it's in the home arena. And let look at it from conversely. If you're an Oilers fan and, an, and another team comes into town and their pugilist gets a goal, you're sitting there going, really, him? I mean, it's bad enough we gave up a goal, but but him. And I think from an Oilers perspective, an Oilers fan perspective, I mean, you knew why Semenko was there, but the guy could still play. And most of the enforcers, you know, were were high-scoring hockey players when they were kids, and and that's how they got noticed. And then eventually they sort of transitioned into doing other things. So I'm I'm not surprised to hear, and I'm not saying don't tell me because definitely share your memories with me and how you felt about Semenko. But I'm not surprised to hear people saying. You know, he was one of my favorite Oilers, or or he was up there on the list because of the job he did. Uh, he did it well, and it was always sort of an extra thrill when he did get a goal. And I was just looking back, and we're going to get to my talk with Charlie Huddy here in about a minute. But what was interesting to me was looking back at Semenko's stats and some of his uh, and the the great website hockeyfights.com that lists like every hockey fight ever pretty much i don't know if it goes back to the first game on the st lawrence seaway but you know what i'm getting at dave Semenko never had more than nine fights in an nhl regular season he it happened on three occasions 79 80 82 83 and 86 87 when he played for both edmonton and hartford and he never had i mean i i think here's the thing with without going back and looking if you would have said to me this morning you know, Reed, unfortunately, Dave Semenko passed away. What's the most number of penalty minutes do you think he ever had in a season? I probably would have said something like 320. It's 194. Forget 300 minutes, which sometimes guys would hit in the 70s and 80s. He never even had over 200 in a season. And like I said, he never had more than, than nine fights in a season. And the most games he played was uh, was 75 in 82-83. So, you know, he's fighting little more than every 10th game on average so 
he had to be able to play a little bit, and plus it shows you that if you're really good at it, you can kind of get the job done intimidating and policing without having to drop the gloves every time. And I should mention, uh, memorial plans, plans for memorial service uh, will be announced you know, in the coming days here by the Edmonton Oilers. And he'd spent, Dave Smenko had spent the last year very happily as an Edmonton Oilers ambassador, doing stuff in the community, meeting fans. And, and I know, you know Kevin Lowe saying today how much he enjoyed that. So it's, uh, it's too bad Dave didn't get to, to see that through for a few more seasons. But I did mention uh, Lowe was there this morning, Paul Coffey and Charlie Huddy, and I got to sit down with Charlie Huddy for a couple of minutes, and, and I said, what can you tell me about Dave Semenko away from the rink? That's the part that people don't really get a get an oppor- opportunity to see, but he was just, he was a great person, like everybody's talked about, just the wit that he had in the room and keeping everybody honest and joking with everybody, and even, even just away from the rink, he was just a genuine person. I... Uh, I, I, I lived my first few years, I lived like 10 minutes away from him, so I used to ride to the rink with him a fair bit and we'd have some good conversations, but he was just a, he was just a real caring person and I know that probably seems maybe kind of weird because of the role that he played on the ice, but uh, it, he, he, he really was, he really he cared about people and he really cared about his teammates and he cared about us and uh, I just, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a sad day for all of us and we're, we're going to miss him. Obviously, you know, you've stayed involved in hockey. He's, he stayed involved uh, with the Oilers and, and with the game as well. It, and this will bring up even more discussion about him, but, but his name never went away. I mean, you probably deal with young players who never would have seen him play but know who he was and, and what he meant to the teams he was on, especially yeah. the Oilers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a guy with that stature and the, the, the presence that he had when he walked around and in the room is, you know, you, you knew he was never going to go away. He was, but he, he was just appreciated by everybody because he treated everybody with respect, and he really, uh, he really enjoyed people. And I think, I think the people showed that back, and that's why, I mean, that's why people kept, you know, bringing his name up, you know, because of the because of the person that he was. You know, I mean, he did the job on the ice, but he did an even better job, you know, away from the rink and, and off the ice. And we, obviously, his toughness is well known and. Uh, but you mentioned his wit. I imagine that must have been valuable to the team. I mean, it's not like you guys went 80-0 every year. There were sometimes some bumps. I imagine you must have been able to lighten the mood at times. Yeah, you know what? I think that uh, everything else that he did, probably that was the best, is the wit that he had in the in the dressing room. At, and it was always, the timing was always right. It was, you know, like you said, it was, you know, we might be down 3-1 or whatever. And just, just the timing was always right. And he always had some a line that, pretty much nobody else would ever think of you know just come out come out of nowhere and um it was guys would be laughing or whatever and it was just uh, the, the the timing of it was perfect and that kept everybody loose in the in the dressing room kept everybody on an even keel and um he was good at it is there a, is there a fight that stands out for you <laughs> i know he had a few and he won most of okay, them okay yeah <laughs> I think I might have seen them all. <laughs> I don't think there's one in particular that stands out. I mean, he had some great battles. I mean, we all know the ones that he had in Calgary with Tim Hunter, and there's a couple other ones I think that I remember with uh, Jimmy Playfair, who was a real big, tough guy. I think he was in playing Buffalo at the time. Or no, Larry Playfair, sorry. Jimmy's brother, um, Larry Playfair, there was playing for Buffalo, a real big, tough guy. He had some good battles with him, but uh, he could go on and on and on, and um, he was just... Uh, Back then, it was part of the game, right? And he was he was good at what he did, and he was probably one of the toughest guys that ever played. What was and I, and I watched him play, but what was he like when he 
when he scored because it wasn't always I know he had a couple pretty good years but he wasn't always the first choice on your team to get a goal so uh, you know would, would he ever would he ever drop a good one-liner after yeah, a goal I'm sure he had some I don't think he had a real big celebration we'd always say it you know Semenk scored and it looked like he scored 50 every year because there wasn't a real big celebration most of the time but uh I don't think he, I, I, I can't remember if I'm sure he probably had some woody line that, that I would have maybe missed or didn't, uh, couldn't remember, didn't hear. But um, again, you know what, he, I think like, like Kevin said, you know what, he could still play hockey. Like he was a good, he was a good player. He, he, it's not like he just went out and fought and that's all he ever did. He, he played, he played, you know, five on five. He did his job. He was good, good around the net, had some good hands, made a few passes to Gretzinari and, uh, you know, they ended up putting it in the back of the net. So he was just a good all-around person and a good, good team guy. Thanks to Charlie Huddy for doing that earlier today at Rogers Place. An emotional day for the uh, former teammates of Dave Semenko who passed away at the age of 59 today. I'm getting a lot of great texts in, Kellen, before we break, and we're going to have more Dave Semenko memories from you and from uh, people in the hockey world. Grace, the girl listener, doesn't text a lot, but when she does, she makes it count. So I want to read this one. Grace says, Reed, I was a teenage girl scooping ice cream and making milkshakes at a small shop out at the airport in the... 80s and 90s. Back then, the Oilers flew commercially and would show up early for their flights, and they liked to hang out at my shop while I made milkshakes. Semenko was a giant of a man, but always so friendly and respectful to me. I was already a hockey fan then, so I knew about the fear he instilled while he was on the ice, but to me, he was just a big, smiley sweetheart. My heart goes out to his family. What a loss for them. My dad is currently battling pancreatic cancer, which is a beast of a disease, so I empathize. Grace, thank you for sharing that wonderful memories of Dave Semenko. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Of course, free agency day is Saturday in the NHL. Mark Letestu, a free agent signing from July 1st, 2015, and I think that has been a pretty good one for your Edmonton Oilers. I would expect the Oilers to be uh, pretty quiet. I don't think they're after any big fish on uh, on Saturday and into free agency, maybe some depth guys, maybe some guys to help in the minors, but I would expect that would be the scope of it. I think uh, roster-wise for the Oilers, we'll probably get a McDavid contract announcement maybe next week. I don't think it's going to happen over the long weekend here. And uh, Benoit Pouliot placed on waivers today for the purpose of a buyout. So that'll mean salary cap-wise for the Oilers, they will have to uh, they will have a hit of $1.33 million over each of the next four years. They choose that rather than to have him play likely sparingly for the next two years at uh, $4 million per season. But I think uh, a lot of the roster stuff that we've been picking away at this week is secondary tonight with Dave Semenko having passed away, two-time Stanley Cup champion with your Edmonton Oilers, uh, played uh, 575 NHL games, 65 goals, almost 1,200 penalty minutes in a second here we're going to bring in Adam Scorgi. you can text 630 630 I just want to say thanks to everybody who texting tonight it's uh uh, you know, a different type of show and that's uh, and that's and that's fine and I just appreciate that that people want to share this because I don't, not with me but with all the other fans you can talk to by getting your text in here to 630 Chet if I if I don't read yours on the air I apologize cuz we're getting quite a few 
uh, but I do read them myself, and I thank everybody for sending in. I want to read Jeremy from Glendon, who says, We love our big guys in Edmonton. I was too young to watch Semenko, but Larac was one of my favorites growing up. Those guys aren't the most exciting or skilled, but they're definitely the most respected guys on and off the ice. Cassian has now moved into that role for the Edmonton Oilers. That is from Jeremy in Glendon. Uh, this one's pretty cool. I'm not sure who this is from. Uh, Justin Sather and I attended kindergarten together at Laurier Heights Elementary School. Not many five-year-old kids can say they sat next to Dave Semenko in the back seat while Coach Glenn Sather drove me and Justin to school. That, that, that's a pretty incredible story. Um, this texture says, I grew up in Brandon and watched, or sorry, grew up around Brandon, watched Semenko play for the Wheat Kings. He became a favorite player of mine in juniors in the NHL, so much so that I once traded a Gretzky rookie card for a Semenko card in the early 1980s. To that texture, very cool story, and keep your sanity by not looking up the value of a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. And I'll get to Mike in the Grove. He says, hi, Reed. I've been an Oiler fan since the WHA days. So many memories I have of Semenko, one of my favorites. I ran into him about 10 years ago in IGA in Millwoods Town Center in the produce section, and we started chatting, and by the time we finished talking, an hour had passed. The man was a great hockey player, but was an even better man off the ice. Dave Semenko, you will be missed. Once an oiler, always an oiler. That's the message from Mike in the Grove. Well, that's, lots of great stories coming tonight. Don't hesitate to share with me at 6.30, 6.30. I hope you've seen or will see in the very near future the excellent documentary Ice Guardians, and the producer behind that is Edmonton's own Adam Scorgi. Adam, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, okay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a tough day in the hockey world. Thanks for making time for us. Of course, Adam, you're the uh, the filmmaker, the producer behind the excellent documentary called Ice Guardians, where you, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not exaggerating here, you talk to dozens of uh, former and ex-NHL players, both of the uh, enforcer variety and, and teammates of enforcers. And, and of course, Dave Semenko was a, was a big part of Ice Guardians. Just you know, tough, tough to say goodbye to Dave. Uh, just what was it like you know, working with him and, and getting him involved uh, in that project? Uh, Dave was, um, uh, you know, amazing. He really, I can't picture the film without him. Today was really, you know, sad for me, like Ice Guardians. Sad that, and, and in some ways, like, interesting that, you know, I, I found out almost right away before TSN or anything broke it because people were tagging me or tagging Ice Guardians on Twitter, like, sad day, sad day. And I, I Googled, like, right away. I couldn't even find anything on TSN or anything, right? It hadn't even been announced by the Oilers yet, but people were tagging me because it had gotten out that David passed. And, you know, because he'd made such an impact to people through the film. Like, even people that hated Dave because they cheered for a team versing him really loved him in the film as with many of these enforcers i heard that about dave schultz and mcgratton that you really got to see a human side of these guys that you didn't get to see before you know and for me dave Semenko is one of the guys that made me a hockey fan period like when i was a kid he was one of my first hockey heroes it wasn't Gretzky or mess it was him so it was an honor to sit down and interview him and really sad today that, you know, uh, someone that I, I got to become friends with that I consider a friend, you know, was lost in the hockey world. You know, you make a great comment there, Adam, about how, how you saying uh, he was your favorite player. We're, we're roughly the same age. We remember the Oilers teams of, of the 1980s when we were kids. 
And it, it is interesting. I mean, everybody loves the stars, Gretzky, McDavid, because they, they put the puck in the net and, and you need goals to win games. But, uh, you know, maybe we've seen it a little bit with, with how Zach Cassian was embraced this past year for his energetic and tough style. And, and Semenko for sure was that because, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting bond, right? Because it's, maybe it's a different sort of bond than the one people have for the guys who get their names in the goals and assists columns. Would you, would you say that? It's a bond maybe born of seeing courage and sacrifice? I, I would totally say that. And I think that's why today, just reading all the messages, so many people have said similar things. Like, he was the first jersey that I saved up for. He was my first hero. That is the guy I remember. Even opposition teams, like diehard Calgary Flames fans, like, oh, such a sad day for us. He was like our best rival. And we kind of try to touch on this in Ice Guardians with the human behavior and the tribalism, right? There's a deeper connection within humans. As much as we've advanced with technology and the way the game has advanced and how fast it is, there's something in us that when somebody puts themselves in harm's way for the protection of their teammates, their city, their, you know, their fans, you, you do. There's a bond that you're like, man, that's my guy. Right, like there is a different bond that comes, and I, I think Dave Semenko's passing. You know, if we want to look at you know some of the diamond or the the positives from this this unfortunate event, is that you really see the impact that these guys had on the entire league and the game of hockey. That they've affected so much more than just fighting. They have brought amazing memories for communities all around the league. Of like, that was my first hero in the game. Filmmaker Adam Scorgi joining us on Inside Sports, the movie Ice Guardians, profiling uh, enforcers in hockey, and Dave Semenko was a big part of that. You know, obviously Dave's, what we saw on screen in the documentary was was fascinating, and obviously you would have done you know, hours of, of interviews with him and, and a lot of stuff that, that would have had to have been, been cut from the final product. Was there anything either that got to the screen or maybe you didn't wind up including a story or comment he made that, that has sort of stuck with you? Uh, no, because like a lot of it, he said so much great stuff. We put most of it in. Uh, there's a bonus clip I put on the Ice Guardians uh, Twitter today. Um, just talking about verbal effectiveness. We cut it a little short in the film when he says, you know, a lot of times you just ask a guy, are you uh, going to play like this all day or what? Right? And he kind of gives a look and he talks about how intimidating just saying it and knowing that when you did it could be effective enough. Right? And it's something you and I discussed in the past where you don't realize the value of an enforcer sometimes. Cause it, they don't always have to go to blows or do some physical. Sometimes it's the threat of it that's even scarier. Right? The threat that you might play the game, you might go off the rails, and they might come with you. And then that is, you know, your own mind makes that up even worse than it can be. And the way I remember when I was interviewing him, he's got those just piercing blue, like, vampire eyes. And he was staring at me. And be like, a lot of times you just ask the guy, you're going to play like this all night? And the way he looked at me, I was like, man, I don't even play. I'm just the interviewer. You don't got to look at me like, I'm not involved in this at all. It's uh, and and one of the great things from the film and stories people have told is let's face it if you're a, if you're a ten year old hockey player or pick and pick a young age you dream of scoring the big goal and then a lot of enforcers and I think Samiko's you know tale would would fit into this too they wind up accepting a role 
because they want to stick in the NHL and they want to they want to prove themselves, right? I mean, there's there are probably under a lot of eight year olds who dream of scoring you know two goals and getting 200 penalty minutes, but yeah. but 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 these guys kind of sacrifice, and and sometimes it's forgotten that they have pretty good hockey ability, but they they choose to do that because they want to fit in and they want to be valuable, right? Reed, you hit the the nail on the the head there, where that's where. Uh, I'd say 99% of the guys we interviewed, like they originally, like their favorite player was Mark Messier or Ray Bork or Bobby Orr, and they wanted to be like them. But there comes a definitive time in their career where they love the game of hockey so much, and they start getting to those upper echelons of the top, you know, elite 600 in the world playing the NHL, and you're like, man, like I am not going to score 30, 40 goals. That's just not... Not in this league, right? You know, like my, my buddy Parker said, when he got to Colorado and he was there with Sackick and Hayduke and Forsberg and Tange, he's like, they don't need another goal scorer here, clearly. Right? Like, even if I tried, it's not going to happen. So you embrace that role. And then what becomes, you know, the driving force of the enforcers is the camaraderie and the relationships they build with their team. And those superstars that get all the goals and the accolades and the big contracts you know, the respect that they show the guy that, hey, you know, this guy doesn't get all the goals, but he sure makes me feel a lot more comfortable when I'm out there to get those goals. Um, that's what they feed on. That's what, you know, they have that, that tribal, that inner warrior that's like, you know what, it may not be the most glamorous, but if it allows me to stand these team and play with these amazing guys, I will put myself in harm's way to do so. Yeah, well said. Adam, thanks for your perspective. Uh, tough day, obviously, with the passing of Dave Semenko, but you did a great job uh, telling his story in Ice Guardians, and thanks so much for your time on Inside Sports tonight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And the one thing I can take away is I'm really glad that we at least got to sit down with Dave and share that piece of him that many don't get to see in the film. Um, you know, it's a little bit of shining light in today's sad news. Yeah, well said, Adam. Thanks for coming on tonight. Adam Scorgy, the man behind the outstanding documentary, Ice Guardians. And uh, as we were doing that interview, uh, more texts coming into 636.30. Some incredible stories here. Namudi says, uh, hey, Reed, after every home game, Dave Semenko used to come to my pub for a cold brew. On the odd day, he would have a pizza. I asked him why he would come to a little pub on the north side alone. He said, the beer's cheaper. I never forgot that. That's from Namudi. And uh, Alan says, my brother-in-law Matt lives in Seattle and was a huge fan of Semenko. Matt was in Edmonton when Semenko's book came out. We went to his signing event. Matt told Semenko he was from the States and asked him to sign his book. So Dave wrote, hey, Matt, stay out of Canada, eh? And then he handed the book back with a look of absolute glee in his eyes. We have never forgot that. That's a text from Alan. Well, a lot of unforgettable moments from uh, Dave Semenko coming in from our text line to 630-630-780-496-0063 is the phone number. We will get an opponent's perspective as we move along tonight. Former Calgary Flame Jim Paplinski up next on Inside Sports. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. You mentioned that trade the Calgary Flames made today, getting Lack and Murphy from Carolina for Kanzig. Draft picks also changing uh, hands to late round picks. Calgary also today uh, re-signing Christopher Stieg. One year, $1.75 million. He's 31 15 goals, 22 assists in 69 games last season. Remember, he was with the Oilers on a PTO and then uh, all of a sudden signed with the Calgary Flames. 
baseball tonight. Orioles leading the Blue Jays 2-0 in the middle of the 7th. Week 2 in the CFL starts tonight. Ottawa at Calgary. Eskimos play tomorrow. Home to Montreal. It's on 6.30, Chad. Countdown to kickoff at 6. The game starts at 8. Hear it all right here on 6.30, Chad. That's going to be fun. My name is Reed Wilkins. We're talking a lot about Dave Semenko tonight. The Oilers legend who passed away at the age of 59 after a brief battle with cancer. You know, for Edmonton fans and Edmonton Oilers players, Dave Semenko was loved and respected around the rest of the NHL. He was respected, uh, but feared and maybe even sometimes hated. So we want to get uh, an ex-opponent's perspective. Jim Plaplinski played, played for the Calgary Flames and against Semenko and the Oilers a ton in the 1980s. Jim, thanks for joining us tonight. I'll start with this. When I say the name Dave Semenko, what comes to your mind? Not again. Um, you know that uh, the the contest that we had through the eighties, there was there was no love lost, and uh, uh, I would challenge anybody to say that uh, that outside of the level of competition, um, there was a, an apprehensiveness and an anxiousness in all of those games that uh, that made uh, made anybody who uh, <laughs> had any logic about them. Um, not necessarily look forward to some of the elements of the games that were necessary to determine an outcome. And Semenko was a was a big part of instilling uh, that fear into uh, into the opposition, whether you were a Calgary Flame or whether you were anybody else. But it seems that that uh, when it came to the Oilers, they reserved uh, much of uh, of their ability to uh, to throw everything at you for. Um, for the Flames, and that made for intense games and, uh, and a very, very intense dislike of, uh, of all the combatants on the other side. See, that's an interesting dynamic because uh, two great organizations in the 1980s, uh, almost every regular season, two of the top teams in the league, numerous playoff battles, Stanley Cups both sides, um, and, uh, you know, Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Anderson on the Edmonton side, who certainly would have been a focus for the Flames to stop, yet it, it seems to be you're kind of suggesting it, it might have been the Semenkos of the world and Dave specifically that would have been uh, on more people's minds before the game than how you were going to prevent uh, Wayne Gretzky from setting up behind the net. Well, I think that, uh, that the, the, the success of the others was, was the fact that uh, that they weren't unidimensional. You know, when you played, when you played the Philadelphia Flyers, you had Ben Wilson, Frank Dave, Bob Daly, Hound Dog Kelly, Moose Dupont, Bobby Clark, Paul Holmgren, Brian Prop, Kenny Lindsman. Uh, Lindsman obviously uh, spending a good chunk of uh, important time with the others as well. But the Flyers, it was it was the Broad Street Bullies, and you had to get through the intimidation in order to be successful. When you were playing the Edmonton Oilers, you had all of the people that you mentioned, uh, in addition to Paul Coffey, Lee Fogel, Grant Fuhr, uh, Charlie Huddy, uh, Dave Lumley, Dave Hunter, Pat Hughes. Uh, you know, I'm not reading off a list. I just remember those guys all being significant in their own way, even if, even if they weren't scoring 192 points or 232 points or 39 goals in 50 games. And, you know, they, they, could, they could run over you uh, physically. They could run over you with speed. They could run over you goal scoring with spectacular plays, with outstanding goaltending. And so Dave was, was one element of, of that that uh, I wouldn't suggest that was, um, that was the dominant theme, but it was a, it was a theme that uh, 
that uh, other teams did not have. They were much more uh, one or two dimensional, where the others were about seven dimensional. Uh, and uh, uh, Dave was was up there in one of those dimensions, and uh, and he executed his role to perfection. And when when we played against the Oilers, and when I think back uh, in those ten years, and maybe a year or two afterwards as well, uh, I would have categorized Dave as a as a low life bully. And uh, after I got to know him outside of the game and I got to look at what made the Flames successful and what made the others successful, I, I changed my opinion to, to uh, this guy was a warrior. He did what was required to have his team be successful, and he did it well. He did it, he did it with his own intuition, which is not easy to figure out in that role, and he also did it at the instruction of Slats and probably at the encouragement of, uh, of different players when something had taken place that he maybe didn't see. Uh, he was informed of that and, uh, and uh, responded with uh, the appropriateness that was required in his role to make a difference in the outcome of games. Um, he was uh, he was an important element of uh, of the other success through the '80s, and, uh, and a big part of uh, of what made them uh, feared on the scoreboard in the penalty box and uh, and in Stanley Cup championships. Jim Paplinski, former Calgary Flame, joining us on Inside Sports. I love how you frame that with the perception of a player when he's your on ice rival in terms of it, it compared to how you might perceive him once uh, your careers are done and, and you move on to other other parts of your life. Um, but but let me ask you this. Um, um, numerous, I mean, you guys played people for, you, you played eight times a year in the regular season and then often, you know, five, six or seven more times in the playoffs. Uh, there would have been a lot. Is there a specific encounter battle that, that you had with Dave Semenko that, uh, that still stands out? Well, you're forgetting the uh, the four preseason games we'd also have, right? <laughs> you know, where, where uh, you know, there's some suggestion now that preseason games are, uh, are not necessarily uh, as intense as regular season games. You know, as soon as we understood uh, what we had with the Oilers from about '82 on, uh, it seems like you know, I, I, I was looking at a, at the you know the players get their stats in the, in the room before games, and I was flipping through one one time, and uh, and I got down to you know the, the stats would lay out um, your the stats for the year, and then they they as they do more more thoroughly now but they would have your stats against a particular team and I remember looking at my stats against the Oilers and I think I had 79 games regular season games against the Oilers I looked at it and I went my gosh you know, I don't know how many penalty minutes there were and, and uh, I just thought holy mackerel uh, it never dawned on me literally until that moment just how much time I spent um, playing against the Oilers and, uh, and those games were they were uh, they were very, very intense, and there was, you know, it wasn't that there was no love lost. It was, it was we intensely disliked, bordering on, on hate, depending on the players. You know, it would be difficult with a guy like Lee Fogelin to dislike him. He is, you know, he was a consummate professional on the ice, and, you know, didn't say much, just executed. You know, Charlie Huddy, same sort of guy, just really competed hard, but, but very square, where with, uh, with, with Dave, you just didn't know what you were going to get other than it was going to be unpredictable and, uh, and it was going to be uh, tactical and strategic in, uh, in, in the uh, determination of the outcome of a game. Uh, uh, if you were, if if the Oilers were to win it, and and to send a message if the Oilers were going to lose it, and so it didn't really matter what kind of kind of game it was, Dave was going to be a factor in some way, and uh, 
And that was a, a significant and very positive uh, element of what the Oilers uh, brought with having Dave Seneca on their team. Jim, really appreciate those memories. Uh, you know, it's obviously tough that, uh, that we lost him, but, uh, you know, some incredible stories about how he contributed during that era. Thank you so much for your time, Jim. I hope we can catch up again. Yeah, my pleasure. My condolences to uh, to Dave's family. That's uh, you know a guy who uh, who was a, as a, an athlete through the '80s had an indestructible persona. It's just hard to believe that uh, at 59 years old he could be gone so quickly. So my condolences. Uh, it's a sad day, and uh, just makes us uh, uh, very thankful uh, of what we have and and doing our best to try and do our best as we're, as we're on this earth. So appreciate talking to you. Have a great day, and um, once again, my condolences to Dave's family and his fans. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Jim Paplinski, former Calgary Flame and combatant of the Oilers in Saminko in the 1980s. Great perspective from him as well. And, uh, you know, pretty honest. I love how he laid it out. He said, when I played against Saminko, I thought he was a low-life bully. And then as uh, our careers and lives moved on, I saw him as a warrior who did what was required to make his team successful. You can text 630-630. we got to do the news here. Uh, Morley Scott, by the way, once uh, shared a uh, broadcast booth with Dave Semenko. He'll be on after the 7 o'clock news, and he'll also get you ready for tomorrow Eskimos home opener. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.